Live from the Huntington Hilltop, in the morning, Troy, Troy C, triple N. I'm trying to find a way to say this, Troy, where the C stands Troy for. Troy C, triple N. That sounds good to me. Cantankerous. Cantankerous. What are we drinking tonight? It's another LaCroix, uh, but it's coconut cola this time. Coconut cola? Yes. Fantastic product. It's like a little mix of Coke, a little bit of coconut. Well, it's cola-like. It's not the Coke flavor. It's carbonated, but it's not actually Coke. Yeah, there's no sugar in it. It's just water. Yeah, it's nice. pretty cool. So, have I told you the big news for this week for me in regards to Twitch? Um, no. Tell me. I am now a Twitch affiliate. My viewership got higher than an average of three viewers per stream. And with the number of followers I had and the, since I'm streaming every other day or at least three times a week, it basically pushed me from Twitch nobody to Twitch affiliate. So what that means now is that it'll add, run an ad in the front of my stream and I can run ads during the stream too if I wanted. And I get a tiny percent of the revenue generated from that. Um, and it makes it so now viewers can quote unquote subscribe to my stream which is just another way of basically paying money to me through twitch twitch takes half of the so usually like they're five dollars or there's some deal whatever amount it costs you but i'll get half of that revenue when you buy that sub token and token it to me um yeah the you could do a direct donation but just the subs um work better because then it unlocks things that you can set up for your viewers on twitch so if your if your channel has unique emoticons or any kind of other benefits like i've seen what other people streamers do is that if they're playing a game if you subscribe that day you immediately get pushed to the front of the line to play with them in whatever game it is or you know no, sky's the limit you set it up as how how, how you want your subs to be um benefit it is a monthly subscription so if when the month ends they have to resub, um, unless they prepay for you know multiple months worth of subbing, then they could just carries on to the next month. Okay, I was watching your stream and I clicked the gift subscription thing because I never saw a subscription button before. I thought I was already quote unquote subscribed because in podcasts the concept mm-hmm. is I, I guess I was following, but the the term subscription in podcast doesn't necessarily mean there's a monetary transaction there. Yeah, I'm used to YouTube where if you click subscribe, that's that's exactly. the equivalent of that's, follow in Twitch. So yeah. it's very confusing. Um, but luckily, it won't let you go much farther until it's like pay money. So then you're like, whoa, this is something else. This is something else. Yeah. So then I paid, and then I accidentally gifted it to somebody, which is fine. They don't need to know that. Um, I am looking well, it, for a list of it, irregulars though that I can gift to. Um, it does announce it. I have a setup on my stream, so every time that. someone subscribes or gifts, it announces it on the stream. And I think that was a, I can't say his actual term name, but his his real name is Gopal, and he thanked he thanked you for it in the uh, chat. I saw that. Um, he has. So what's nice is that since Twitch is owned by Amazon, if you link up your Amazon Prime account with Twitch, you are granted once a month what's called a Prime sub, which you get straight from having Amazon Prime. And you can that's free because you've already paid for it through buying Amazon Prime, and you can gift that to one of your favorite to one of your favorite Twitch streamers. Oh, so is that for one month? One month. So normally with subs, you can gift them multiple months at a time, like you just do eight months and then not have to think about it for eight months. But with Prime subs, you do have to renew it every month. Um. I don't think it's a full you don't get like the full revenue as you would normally with a sub like usually you get paid 250 for a sub whereas I think with the prime subs it's some percentage of it because um, it does Twitch does provide you a like breakdown of like what you'll be paid out at the end of the month and I don't know how many prime subs I've gotten but you know it didn't come out to a nice even number so it's, it's some percentage of what it costs them oh and I can talk about how payouts work so with Twitch they pay out monthly but they have a very specific system. I think this is probably to reduce um, them having to write checks that are like one cent because <laughs> not everybody's being profitable on this, right? Not everybody's getting a significant amount of money from it. Um, they have a limit that you have to earn up to $100 and then they will write you a check or, you know, 
direct deposit into your checking account of your choice. Wow. They hold your money hostage. Correct. Google ads does the same thing. It used to be like a $10 limit. Mm-hmm. And I had like $9 in that account for years. I don't want to run any ads. I, I don't want uh, any more. <laughs> any uh, more broadcasts. Yeah. I don't want to make any money from ads from them. I know I, I forgot about some ads that I tried putting on my site to see if I could monetize it because at one point in time that was possible, but it was mm-hmm. way before I ever attempted it. So I missed out on that window of opportunity because it makes no money, but it generated no money. And then they raised the cash out limit or the payout limit to a hundred, hundred dollars, I think. Really? So it'll it's just also hundred dollars. It'll never yeah. achieve that. Yeah. I've, I've done three streams since they hit affiliate with most of the revenue coming from prime subs of everyone. I know friends and family alike, and I'm at a amazing $10 and 65 cents <laughs> with only like six cent of that being actually from the ads in the beginning of the, uh, beginning of the stream. So it's going to be a long road to hundred dollars, assuming I stay at the same rate I'm at, but it's all fun. I don't, I don't really care cause I'm not doing it for the money anyways. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking to actually start maybe a Twitch, uh, probably every platform stream. Uh, well, that's the thing though. Cause part of the Twitch affiliate is I have to sign a contract that said I will only be, um, streaming to Twitch. Okay. I'm well, sure really the other ones have the affiliate part. Oh yeah. Well, if you're just doing it just to, just to stream, then I'm sure you could stream it to all the platforms at once. I want to stream, uh, software development, DevOps type stuff. So I'm going to help somebody learn how to use Ansible and Terraform and stuff. And then as I teach them, I want to live stream it. And then you can just export it and then save it as a YouTube video forever. Yeah, I could, I could do that. And Until you say the wrong thing and you're immediately removed completely. Yeah, YouTube. if I were to do a permanent store, store and forward of the video, I'd probably host it myself. Because nobody's yeah. gonna watch it. I don't care about YouTube. Yeah, I mentioned one wrong thing, or um, it's just too easy to get banned. Yeah, well, it's, it's inevitable. If they want to make money, they have to appease their ad gods. But on the live stream, um, I would just use it to constantly promote people on the stream mm-hmm. to go to, um, I guess, another website. Where they would watch, they could watch the stream in case I get banned from one platform or, or another, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully that turns into me selling uh, Ansible or Terraform services, something like that, on the main site. So all all Maybe. all those are like satellites, and they're all redirecting to the remote or not the remote, the the main source. That's what you're sort of doing. Yeah, yeah. I'd have a little lower third, a banner that had the website and then ask people watch it. Um, they go to the website and hire me to solve a problem. And then I'm going to walk, um, it's roadhouse. He wants, he's been on the show a couple of times. He wants to learn how to, how to do all that stuff. So oh, would he be the one that would be on that stream then with you? Yep. Or is he, are you writing them for him to watch later? Uh, no, he'd be on it. I think it just it's better that I have somebody there to go back mm-hmm. and forth. I'm not really good at the monologue. Uh, not maybe maybe I'm not maybe I'm okay at it, but I'm just not comfortable doing it. So I'd rather gotcha. have a person there. Otherwise, it's gonna hey, be a whole bunch of dead air. You have a wall to bounce on. He might come up with questions that you're. I always find like sometimes when, when you become the expert or get experience with something, you then you, you lose that ability to, to look at it with fresh eyes. Like you don't think of questions anymore that you've sort of already, already yeah. answered or didn't never occur to you because it never became a problem for you, but could be for someone else. Yeah, you can't ever go back to that state. It's very, mm-hmm. very difficult to remember that. I always felt like when I was uh, making maps in like StarCraft or Warcraft, I'd learn how the editor worked but some somehow in the process of like, oh, I learned how triggers worked, I worked how strings worked, I worked, I learned how, you know, like it it figures out how to make custom maps to go. 
I'd lose like the uh, the imagination part of it because like I got too technical. So I wouldn't have no ideas for like a game, and I'd be literally asking people who who didn't know anything about it, I'd be like, "What kind of game would you want to make?" And then when they gave me the idea, then I could make the technical part of it come to light. Yeah, but I always felt like it was you really could be a dreamer or you could be a builder. You couldn't be both. It was really yeah. hard to be both. Yeah, I think that's a real thing. I think when you get too close to something, it's hard to see it from like if you're really really technical it's hard to see it from the normal person's perspective mm-hmm. i remember there was a game my cousin used to be really good at programming he made a little basically like um asteroids game but he made it like much more it wasn't just lines and and like draw black and white uh, asteroids running around the screen he made like all visual and have textures and all that stuff uh, but his is very basic he just did like for fun to sort of just to play around and to learn um, but I asked him like, Oh, well, can I mess around with the values kind of thing? Like, I didn't know how it worked, but he showed me like the values file. So he could change like how fast things were shooting or, um, what the, how big the icon was or how small it was or what color it was. And he's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And through that, because I didn't know how any of it worked, I changed this simple little asteroids game to have like multiple different weapons. So you could like, when you could pick up a missile, there were now two different types of missiles. It was like one that went really fast and then. We did a little damage. Then one of them went really slow, but like huge explosion. And then his thing had like just normal blasters. But then I just made it so that you could crank up the speed and then make it really short so that your blaster became a flamethrower <laughs> running around huh. destroying these asteroids with flamethrowers. But it was to me like it was kind of this example where he made the game. And since he was tech so close to it, he just had a bit simple vision of like, oh, it's just going to run around. It's going to shoot simple blasters. But me coming in with no knowledge of it, I was getting creative with what. I didn't have to add anything to his game. I just messed around with the values and then created new weapons out of it. I always think back to that. like that was a few moment where I could actually be the dreamer side of the equation. And that is why you need to have mods if you may ever make a game because you never know what's going to come out of it. Yeah. Tribes 2 had an editor that you could jump into while you played the game. Yeah, you can make people a giant and then they just start walking towards you. <laughs> From a mile away. Yeah, that was the most seamless, frictionless, uh, most moddable game I've ever played. Yeah, it was all it was online too. We'd be modifying the game live while playing online in a server. Yeah. Of course, it was it was super unstable. If you did the wrong thing, it would just crash <laughs> crashed all the time. <laughs> uh, that engine like, still exists. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean? How is it? Why is it still? What's still playing on it? It's called the Torque Engine, and there is a game. It's called. Uh, let me consult the book of knowledge. I remember hearing about it, like being part of a game called Legends, but I know that game is now dead. That was like a whole different side project. Engine. Oh, was that a different engine? Yeah, because they'd have to license this one. It's called Beam uh. NG. B-N-G. Beam. Oh, Bean. Beam? B-E-A-M? Oh, yeah, Mike. Not November. There you go. B-E-A-M-N-G dot com. Yeah. So it's like beaming without the I. It's funny that they put the M and the N right next to each other. It's kind of like your screen name. It's very Troy difficult. Troy C, triple N, yeah. It's very difficult it to enunciate. rolls off the tongue. When you say it, you're mm-hmm. like N M. Kind of like N-N-N. my domain name. I had to switch it to bringyourwallet.com. Well, at least that's a redirect because when you, when you say Real Sense TV, they're gonna spell is it R E A L or is it C E N T? And I just confused everybody. But if you go to bringyourwallet.com, it immediately takes you to the closest call girl available, right? No. Takes you to my damn website where you should bring your wallet and donate. Slash donate. And support the or show. Or become a member. Yeah, so this uh, Beam MG... Shit, I'm saying it wrong now. Beam NG game. Mm-hmm. It uses this this torque engine that they've used to um, basically create physics simulations. And you can put uh, cars on a train track and crash into them. You can 
drive ridiculous vehicles and roll them down hills, launch them off huge jumps. So it's like a like a a, a car simulator simulator simulation. Yeah, yeah but it it's... simulates body damage to the car. Interesting. Is it how I mean, is it like uh like if, can parts fly off of it or it just yeah. shows you do a single crash and the car's done? You can hit stuff and it'll just tear off the car. Ooh. That's it's interesting. Cool. You can beat the shit out of a car and then, then try to keep driving it. <laughs> See how far you'd get yeah. before you're just your axle just flies off and you're just on three wheels trying to balance. And I guess there's mods. There's mods funny. on top of that. It'd be funny if somebody modded tribes two into Beam NG. <laughs> you're about to die just jet <laughs> It's a car out. game and they they bring back an old game within the game. That sounds awesome. like a one of those Easter egg things like with Doom when they'd have a mini Doom guy in the Doom game. Yeah. Or like the arcade is playing the original Doom game within a game. Tower Wars. There's a bunch of games that use this engine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send you a link to see if you are familiar with these. Dark Horizons. What the hell? One of these frozen cortex that game's not even around anymore it just redirects to a scrabble game <laughs> whoops yeah i don't recognize any of these games but they it, it reminds me of like an era of gaming that was just just so it, it wasn't about how what your polygon count was it was about the aesthetic i'm depressed that this like... stuff isn't big anymore mm-hmm. everything's built on unity there's some good stuff on Uni- unity though but it's not the same i can't just hit Control e and then start editing the game while i play it oh it's very much locked down anything anything new or anything that's popular definitely that's one i feel like that's one thing that it's like i think like the most famous example of a modded game exploding is got to be dota because it was originally a starcraft mod a modified map that i didn't that, realize yeah it started it was called Aaron of strife on starcraft and then when warcraft 3 came out they moved it over and called it defense of the agents to sort of fit the theme better but warcraft 3 engine or editor was way better than the starcraft editor it had a lot more customization you could do than the original one which you know, makes sense because it's natural progression um and that game exploded in popularity it was like it was like the most uh hosted map you could see and when a new version would come out you could just see like all the servers die well, not, i should say i should say servers all the custom games disappear everyone download the map and then reappeared and there'd be people who would host the game to say we're never going to start you're just going to join download the game and then leave just like, to propagate it just to propagate it to make it That's easier because cool. once one percent of copy and then everybody had a copy remember having to wait for that stuff waiting for the map to download <laughs> little, people little would bigger. be like they'd go in the chat and then say hey Press, press Alt F4 to make the download go faster. I remember that in StarCraft yeah. days. <laughs> and then those <laughs> guys that you were waiting on would get kicked out of the game. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I, I remember that. That was the thing where you would... Press F2 that, or something? Yeah, the person would join. Oh, F2. I would just be spamming that as fast as they could. It didn't do anything. Speed up. Well, it's, it's to me, it's, the, it's like early psychological tests of... Uh, you, you you do it one time and it goes faster and you think oh I'll do it every time because it must work it must work kind of thing and that's nothing to do with it just all in your head but uh um yeah Dota then from there they made the what is it it's like not the main guy but he went off and made a new company called Riot Games and started a game called League of Legends where he tried to clean it up and basically make it its own game so it went from being a mod for craft 3 to being its own game and since at the time i don't know if it ever became lost or anything there wasn't anything about like rights of a map or anything i probably still not i think it'd be really hard to argue especially because they changed the name and everything just the game type was all they really brought over um but he made a company the company is very famous now it's very heavily played game i think it's still if not the the most streamed game, it's the, probably the second most streamed game online. Um, made a whole company around one game type. I think they have two games now technically, but League of Legends still is their primary game, their primary money maker. What's the other game? Is it another they, game or another map? 
it's another game type that game uses type. the same engine and same characters. Um, I don't know what I don't even know what the game type is called, but basically it's like you pick random champions. If you have the same type of champion, they combine to like more powerful version. It's it's Pokemon. Almost you create a team of characters and then they fight randomly. Instead of like League of Legends, you control one character, one hero. Where in this game type, you control like it's almost like like you create a little tiny army of the heroes and then see how your army compares to other armies. Like they fight each other, but it's all random. Uh, you don't control the characters directly. They have automated scripts that they follow, so you should already know what they are and then how they interact with each other. I guess you could, you could call it the Pokemon of League of Legends, yeah. That sounds super uninteresting to me. Can you teabag? No, there's no teabag. Well, you couldn't teabag in the original game either. And I lost interest in that game. See? Immediate. <laughs> there you go. I saved your that's, click. That's the reason right there. There was no teabagging in League of Legends. Well, speaking of teabagging, Left 4 Dead 2 is on sale again in the... That's still for sale? It's still being sold, yeah. It's not like TF2, which I sort of... I don't know, like, either way. But anyways, like I say, Halloween sale is now on Steam. It'll be on, on probably till October 31st or November 2nd, one of the two. So for anybody who has still not gotten Left 4 Dead 2, it's a must-buy. It's $2 right now. $1.99. Um, another game I was—I hadn't seen this before, but a friend showed it to me, and I sort of interested. We'll see how it goes. Is a game called GTFO. It's—I think you can guess what it stands for, but it's a zombie slash alien survival game, and it's all cooperative. So it's just four players; they all work together, and you're going from room to room. But it's a game that emphasizes more on stealth and like planning it's not so much like running gun in a way you walk into a room and everything is sound oriented so you don't really want to run into a room you want to quietly walk into a room maybe crouch there'll be sleepers that are going to be like starting out asleep and as soon as you kill one of them then the other ones start to wake up more or if you know you shoot your gun off they all start to wake up and they follow the sound sounds like rogue spear probably is very similar but uh from what I can tell, though, it is very, um, like, I don't think it's going to be very popular for very long because since it is so hard, quote unquote, you have to have good teammates or you have to be all coordinated. You have to know, you have to be in tune with each other. Because if, you know, if one person shoots off the gun early, does a uh, Leroy Jenkins, you lose the whole level and you're dead. And it's very, it's like, I've, I was watching a couple people play. People are like, I've only got 20% health. Can you can you start the, the match? Because I'm going to sit in the back and shoot as, shoot as best I can kind of thing. So there's not a lot of healing. There's not a lot of like... I'm looking at it now. This is a survival game. Yes. You're moving from okay. like room to room. And it's a first-person shooter. Correct. It looks kind of freaky. The guy's crawling on the ground. Well, the reason why it's in the holiday sale is because it is much more focused on uh, the scare attack to the horror. But I think once you get... Like you used to it, it won't be so scary anymore. It'd be more just you know creepy atmosphere. It's not like amnesia where you're, oh you're getting startled. Yeah, <laughs> I've only it's played more creepy. Mm-hmm. a collective thirty minutes in that game. I remember when I was playing that game. I it had to be daylight. I wasn't going to play that shit at night. <laughs> and the only way I could get through it was sort of just to be like. I'm just not going to give a shit. So I'm literally bunny hopping throughout the map, not letting the fear, not, 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 not letting my my thoughts start to reflect on what I'm seeing. I'm like, oh, floating ghost kit. Okay, just moving out. Da, 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 da. Like, don't let myself get freaked out if I just keep moving, <laughs> even though I'm pretty sure I would miss a lot of things. So I'd have to like bunny hop back into a room to look for unlocking the maze of whatever creepy man head dog was coming around. I've never seen it. I literally quit the game every time before I'd see it. <laughs> before the next startle would happen? Yeah. I would get a glimpse of like a leg or something walking out of a, a hallway or I could tell something was coming near me and I would mm-hmm. run. And then I would I would leave. Just quit immediately. It's too stressful. I don't want a game that stresses me out like that. Well, this game won't be stressful. It's just creepy. It's not startling kind of thing. You You... I'm pretty sure the first couple levels you don't know what's going on, but once you knew get the uh, the feel for it, you very much know what's going to happen. There's no like startle around the corner kind of thing going on. Steam does it have native Steam integration, or is this like um, 
some game company that has a separate launcher. I, to be honest, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'd always want to say yes, it's integrated with Steam because I see it on Steam, but that is no longer true. Yeah. It it is supposedly made by EA. Really? Doesn't say it anywhere here though. Yeah, I only saw it mentioned in somebody's comment. They're like, "Oh, this is sort of like an EA." Like EA is on board with this or something. I I could be wrong because I see the developer doesn't say anything about EA either. But I'm just I'm just always hesitant. But I was thinking about checking it out if you're interested to play it. I've got one other guy because obviously the person was telling well, me about depends. it. I can't stream everything. Oh, that's true, and it's Windows only. I guess you could check out if Nvidia has it since it is gaining in popularity. They may have it on I'm there. I'm looking. They don't really let me. Uh, search without launching it. Well, another game I was playing, which is not a new game in any way, but to fit with the it's Halloween important. theme. Oh, cool. So we can play that if you're interested. We just got to find a fourth person that we're set. Yeah. Um, but a game that is not like Amnesia, uh, Luigi's Mansion. I was playing that streaming that a couple nights ago with the uh, Red Tomorrow. Red Tomorrow, Pony No Special guest. Special guest, Red Tomorrow, exactly. Um, but it, it had me thinking as we were playing it, because Red Tomorrow is not a gamer in any any sense of the form. They like uh, turn-based, slow. You get to think a long time. They don't like action-packed games. But it made me think about as far as introducing games to people who don't usually game. Like I've I've had varying success over the years. Like I think I remember the first person I can really remember consciously trying to like introduce something to would be uh, I don't know if you ever have him show Woods. You remember Woods? I did. Yeah, he's been on the show a couple times. I remember I was introducing him to what was it like Diablo two, and I remember it was it's kind of thing with games. I remember thinking at the time like okay I have to make it so he wins because I usually with do with introducing games to friends I just sort of throw them to the wolves. Be like here play. And if they did badly, it's like, oh, it's because you suck. <laughs> and then to move on, like, I wouldn't, I'd have no support whatsoever. Um, but I was trying to think, like, okay, well, if I get him to win, like, even if it's, like, not a real win, but just you feel good about playing, that will encourage him to play, and then he'll play more. Because um, I could see, like, when he was playing the game, I think the very first time, like, he died, and he was like, oh, this game is stupid. I don't like it. It's like, oh, really? Like, like this is a really popular game. And then at some point he picked it up again because I think he had his own copy at the time. And then he started getting, then he started winning. He started getting good at it. And then he basically just flew off, like got way better than I ever got at the game and was crazy good at it by the time you know, like, we stopped playing it. Um, but I was just wondering, like, what have, what have your interactions been with like trying to get people to play games that rather aren't gamers themselves or have never played this kind of game, played that kind of game? I have a similar experience when I play Insurgency. And I'm trying to get mm-hmm. the server started. I let them win just enough that um, based on what I can gauge through like their body language and what they're typing in the chat or maybe what I hear. How know, well, the what, mic, how they're moving kind of thing. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give them just enough of a challenge. But I'll, I'll still screw up and die. Mm-hmm. And then... That way I can kind of keep them in the game until somebody else joins, and then I continue that. And then once there's enough momentum in the server, there's like this automatic queuing system where people will just start to join the server automatically, and Mm -hmm. it gets momentum from there. When the server is pretty full, the server is always filling up. So uh, whether or not people stay doesn't matter to me. And I just go uh, beast mode, and I (laughs) wreck all of them. And um, kill my my thighs from all the teabagging. Teabagging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. I was, watching, I was watching a YouTube video where the guy, what he did is he was introducing his wife to gaming, and she doesn't play games either. But he picked like what was he picked Fortnite, CS:GO, uh, Overwatch, uh, Rocket League. And then he said just to torture her, he picked League of Legends. Like he he threw her in these games and saw what the what did the game do to help prepare her kind of thing. Like led her through the tutorial. Um and it just it was interesting. I think the one problem with this video though is that Overwatch, uh I don't know if I forget what games I listed. Overwatch. 
CSGO and Fortnite are all more or less first person shooters. They're all like, you know, a variation. But it's like those kind of games you need to be able to aim and shoot and move and you know, follow the mouse that I feel like the games would just sort of follow into each other kind of thing. Like the same skills is required for all three games. Like there's no turn based games, you didn't do any strategy games, like those kind of things would maybe have been a different result. But it was interesting to see just how much like like I it's been a long time since I've ever started a game and been like struggling to even do basic things. Like I realized like Starcraft two skills well, that's just because in I guess as far as a strategy game, just that's micromanaging, I feel like. That's just like, uh, do I want to put this much energy into it? But like I remember when I was like seven or eight, just struggling to do the crouch jump from Half Life yeah, and not getting that. it. But now it's like, you know, it's second nature to me. But I think about like today, if I had to explain to my nephew how to crouch jump, would he get it? And then I think and I thought about it again, I'm like, well, anytime I run to that game, I I instinctively do it. Like and I do it in Left 4 Dead 2, I crouch jump and I want to get on top of something even though it's not really necessary because you can just do jump for a lot of those things. But I just wonder, like, do games purposely avoid complicated movements because there's basically, like, they were starting to go in this one direction of, like, crouch jumping and then decided, like, well, it's, if people don't get it, then they're pretty much un, they're unable to do all these movements that are required, like which Half-Life was. But they just basically dumb it down so you don't have to worry about that anymore. That's like, part what of skill it. Sets? Mm-hmm. The controller is another aspect. They, That's they true. They make a bunch of these games like first person shooters and they have mm-hmm. to cripple them to get them to work on a console yeah with auto aim and simplified one button presses when i lay my hand on a keyboard i have uh every finger on a key every finger is used all the time plus mm-hmm. i have access to all the buttons near those fingers it's way more buttons just on one hand than the entire controller and then my mouse yeah. has a whole nother set of buttons and finer uh, resolution in terms of my input. Moving your hand accuracy. around. Yeah. Yeah. I have hand-eye coordination. I can kind of flick my wrist and headshot somebody. 360 can, no scope. I can run over after a 360 no scope and I can do a little uh, mushroom stamp on their forehead. <laughs> yep. But I just just made me think, made me realize, like I've all these sort of like skills I've developed over a span of twenty plus years that I realize this, that a new gamer to a game does not have. So I'm like, no wonder it's it can be such a struggle to pick these games up, kind of thing that I'm doing without even thinking twice about it because I've got all this back to history. Um, the guy in the video that I was watching, he basically came to the conclusion like that's sort of why some games will have. Um, like play against bots or things like that, that like you'll have this strange core group of players that only play against AI bots kind of thing. Like in League of Legends, there's a play against play against the bots and they're the people in there, that's all they play kind of thing. They don't play anything outside of play against the bots. And it's just because you have a group of gamers in any game. It can be it doesn't have to be League of Legends, any game that will not want to be challenged to just playing the game to have fun, which sounds like a weird concept. <laughs> but like when you're in a really competitive game like League of Legends, it's sort of like like the black sheep of this group of gamers. The people who play against the bots are the black sheep? Yeah, because it's, it's a highly competitive game, but it's only made competitive because you're playing against other people. But they're playing it to just have fun against computers, even though it's the same thing sort of over and over and over again. Hmm. I know Overwatch is a similar mode and that he was he was reflecting that first he had his wife go through the tutorial and that was all okay. Like he was judging the game on how well it actually prepared her and then threw her to the wolves. It was like a multiplayer game and she was like, oh, this is not fun at all because you die and not know why or not know, not be able to pick up strategies fast enough even though she's like the lowest rank. And also since the game has been out a long time, she's immediately thrown in people who've been playing it since it started or you know played for years and here she is on day one. But then once she got into the bot games, even the bot games didn't really prepare her to play the real game, quote unquote. She started to actually have fun. And her strategy of running into the enemy as a support and just, you know, casting all of her spells or whatever they are and then just clicking as fast as she could, even though as a gamer it was like agonized to watch, she actually had fun with that, even though it was sort of like redundant. But 
that is where those kind of that 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 group that black sheep of gamers come from people that do not actually want to play it to get really good they just want to have fun there's different modes you can do too when you play against computer players like mm -hmm. survival maps you can just have oh, an infinite yeah. supply mm -hmm. and you just have to survive as long as possible and that's fun very very different gameplay i sort of get the feeling that's sort of just like just thinking of survival that's why i left for dead 2 i feel like it's such a good zombie survival game because yeah. you're you feel overwhelmingly powerful and then it can quickly you not to say you can't lose because you set up the difficulty up high you still have that feeling of really powerful weapons and melee weapons but then you know one bad one bad turnaround where all four of you get pinned from something then it's like oh you lost but I wonder if that's that sort of feeds into as you feel good because it's so easy to mow through these zombies. But in other games, it's like the zombies are omni-powerful and the only way to get through them is around them or avoiding them. Which is definitely a more competitive game, but then you obviously those games don't stay very popular for very long. Where Left 4 Dead 2 is still played to this day. Yeah. Surprisingly popular. Especially the mods. Yeah. The mods make it a whole new game in itself. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've got a non-gaming question for you. Go ahead. Are you going to buy the new iPhone? I don't think so. My wife wants me to, but that's because I've got the iPhone 7 Plus, and literally the only thing going wrong with it is its charging port isn't quite gripping onto the cables as well as it used to, and its battery will die very quickly if I'm doing something serious on it for a long period of time. But I'm always, since due to COVID, I'm always at home anyways. I'm always within a hand's reach of a charge cable. We actually went to the store today because she wanted to buy one for herself. But they are completely sold out of the 256 gigabyte model. They only have 64 gigabyte. Oh. So we're going to have to wait till they come back in stock. Yeah, I don't know about the iPhone 11, but at least the 12. I haven't looked that closely at the 11. But at least the 12, um, pretty much all of the important components of the phone are mm -hmm. the same, whether you get the Mini or the Pro Max. Well, actually, that part, it's a little bit off when I talk about the Pro Max, but whether you're, you're getting the, the Mini or the Pro, it's more or less uh, the same or equivalent in terms of the parts that matter, like the primary yeah. camera, the processor, all that stuff. Yeah, that was, I think I talked to you about it before, so that was really nice to know that, like, okay, if you decide to go with the regular one, just because it feels better in our hands, I'm not going to be like, oh, our camera's not quite as good as it should be, or, or we're really lacking in processor speed. It was, you were telling me, like, it's the same, more or less the same processor, same parts as the other one, just slightly smaller screen, and you're, what was the other thing? What's it's like the slightly like luxury uh, things? Like they add more RAM, they mm -hmm. add LiDAR so that it can assist the camera in the dark, or you can use it for making 3D models. I'm not sure what else you'd use it for. Uh, 3D yeah. models? How do you yeah, do 3D you models can, with that? You can use LiDAR to, it, it's a laser system that bounces light and then it creates a depth map, oh. a volumetric model of something. So you could scan something with the LiDAR scanner and then go to a 3D printer, clean up the model, and print it. Which is cool. Is, is, that, is that software built in like for it to basically composite all those images together, or is it something you think that's going to be developed soon? They've been doing it with iPhones and iPads and stuff for a while, just using photogrammetry, where you mm. take pictures, and then as you move it, it figures out the depth, and then puts uh, little snippets of their pixels together to have color to the 3D model. You can do it even better now with uh, the new iPhone. And I was messing with it today. I'll send you some videos. It's pretty amazing. That sounds cool. Yeah, that's... I think one of the, I was watching an ad for the iPhone 12 and they were like, they're advertising how like this whole... Like you're, seeing, you're seeing all these like movie scenes and it's like all done with the iPhone 12. <laughs> I remember there was a movie that was entirely shot in an old iPhone back in the day that was part of apple's ad campaign just... yeah i don't remember what it was but they had like a rig where they hooked up custom lenses mm. whoa christmas to the iphone <laughs> like all this giant yeah. lenses with a tight yeah, little yeah. they had the phone basically mounted so that it looked through a larger lens like a lens mm -hmm. for an slr 
to give it a shallow depth of field so it had a cinema look. That's just crazy. At what point will phones pretty much be all you need to make a whole movie? You've been able to do that for a while. You can shoot, uh, you can edit, and you can publish all on the same device. This is crazy to me. <laughs> like, I know you can definitely do it. I've seen people do that with YouTube. But, like, I want... I guess like there's already been a movie done that way, but I wonder at what point will it be just more effective to just use an iPhone that's very common. Because I remember, I remember watching The Disaster Project, and they talked about how in that movie, everybody always just rents the movie camera that they use. Nobody actually ever buys it because to buy it is ridiculously expensive. And then unless you already are a movie studio, you're not going to reuse that camera. Yeah. Um, but of course, in this movie, since it's about disaster, they actually went ahead and bought it. And the guy's like, what? Why would you want to buy this? They're like, no, no, go ahead. I'll buy it. I'll pay for it. No problem. But now I just do with a thousand dollar phone and good to go. It's definitely sufficient for a lot of things. You're not going to get a shallow up the field in video. Mm-hmm. This lens is f1.6, which is pretty cool. I think it was. Yeah, F1.6 or F1.8. That's pretty amazing coming from a little camera lens. But the thing I wanted to get at was I decided I was going to do a manual backup. You know how uh, back in the day you could plug it in and then an mm-hmm. iTunes hit backup? Yep, yep. All right. yeah. It'd be always about going onto your desktop. Your computer holded all yeah. the information for your phone. It did two functions back then. It still does today, but it's integrated into the Finder on the Mac. Because uh, iTunes is gone on on the Mac, at least on current versions of macOS. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's gone. So it did really? syncing of a bunch of things. It's gone. Mm-hmm. It's now just the music app, which technically, if you poke around, you can kind of tell that it's, it's iTunes mapped over. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of iTunes is still alive in that thing. Uh, so it did syncing and it did backups, but these were like uh, perfect images of the system, and the you'd only get that perfect image if you hit the encrypt this backup and it's better than an iTunes backup in terms of everything that it copies. Cause it copies the keychain and all that stuff. And iTunes backup or iCloud backup nowadays is especially if you turn on all the iCloud stuff, like the iCloud keychain stuff, mm-hmm. that's like a 99.9% backup. But this manual backup slash iTunes backup, whatever you want to call it, that's a hundred percent. What's, well, what's missing in the, in the iCloud backup? Because I mean, like, I think most people probably use the iCloud backup. What's, what's going to be missing in that backup compared to just making a, a that copy? Technically, unless you have iCloud keychain enabled, you're mm-hmm. missing the keychain. So your oh. phone will have to know, it'll, you'll have to type in the Wi-Fi password again, or it won't uh, All of your apps your that computer. require an account kind of thing? Um, yes. You'll have to sign back into all your apps. Some apps will detect that it's a new device, like all the Google apps, and they'll make you mm. sign in, even though you have all Regardless. the credentials saved. Yeah. Um, your Google Authenticator will lose everything. That can be a problem. Yeah, uh, that which is be... why you should use one that, like Authy, that is off the that phone. can store the secret, mm. and then you mm-hmm. can resync the account and pull the secret back. Because Google Authenticator really is just a proof of concept. Yet everybody uses it. It's well, that's like most Google products. <laughs> They're like, oh, we're gonna try this once. Every jump, everybody jumps on, and we're dropping support. Oh, it's possible that they've changed that. They changed mm-hmm. the Google Authenticator a couple of times. They put out updates that lost everybody's Google Authenticator codes. <laughs> okay. So rather than call them Google Authenticator codes, I'm gonna call them time-based one-time passwords. TOTP. One-time passwords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those one-time passwords, the time-based ones can be saved into one password uh authy last pass there's a bunch they'll all do it they'll store it it's persistent even between reformatting and on multiple devices it's better so that stuff would be missing if you didn't have iCloud keychain enabled i don't like iCloud keychain because it's it has this tiny ass four digit pin and you're you've basically created an escrow key for apple to be the holder of all your, your, your phone, your systems, key, uh, secrets. All your base belong to us. 
So your password could be temporarily cached in your iCloud keychain uh, for one password or for LastPass to automate the process of unlocking it using Face ID. Everything. So I don't enable that. And I do the manual backup because it stores all of that. Uh, so now you you did back up your old phone to get put on the new iPhone 12. Yeah. So that part, since it already had a backup, mm -hmm. it, it backed up the differences, apparently. During the restore process on this new phone, the iPhone 12 took 12 hours because it was like a 250 gig restore. And it's, now are you saying they probably could have finished in 10, but because it's 12, they just added two on? That's that's the reason, yep. <laughs> it it uses USB 2. I have a USB 3 that's... camera adapter here. Yes, it's slow. The USB 3, so this lightning connector is supposedly reprogrammable. And mm -hmm. when I plug in the USB 3 camera adapter to the iPhone, I get USB 3 speeds. I haven't actually figured out how to get this to work on the computer yet. I don't know if it's possible. Why is it? This, that just feels like so backwards. Know. Usually Apple's the one ditching old standards and then jumping on new ones before everyone's ready, forcing everybody to, to, to adopt to it, basically. It would literally be faster for me to use 5G or <laughs> Wi-Fi yeah. because mm -hmm. I can get near a gigabit to a gigabit worth of bandwidth versus 480 megabits. Have you been able to feel the difference? Because uh, I think you're on AT&T, right? And I do have a lot of 5G coverage. Guess what the new new advertising for this 12 is that has 5G coverage now, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it's exactly the same speeds for me. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. 160 megabits. I haven't gone anywhere, so I don't know. I haven't used it anywhere else. But there's no avoiding it. Um, mm -hmm. You've got to use whatever the current generation of uh, cell Microwaves. technology is. You've got to use it because the old towers don't get maintained. Yeah, like the 3G, I'm, I think those are rare in between now, right? Probably. They, they the don't get maintained. LTE is all, all the rage, and now 3Gs are just slowly being wiped out. They only add newer, faster equipment to those towers mm -hmm. and upgrade mm -hmm. new fiber and then replace the batteries that do the uh, power failover. There's never a time where they go, oh, I need to up, I need to just replace this 3G tower or this 2G tower unless there's like a need for it in that area because mm -hmm. of a certain percentage of customers that are on 3G or something. Enough willing and paying customers to justify the cost. As far as I know, their new equipment has some compatibility with the old stuff. I've got no idea, though. So... It comes with a phone. I can disable it or something in software, but uh, oh, interesting. Well, like the old iPhones didn't have that. Like you couldn't disable LTE you could. if you wanted to. Yeah, you oh, could. you could. Yeah. Never mind then. There's no reason to. I just knew there was a big controversy because it was like 5G devices were all taking all your data and sending it to directly to China to be reviewed. If so you're worried about getting your uh, your eyes glazed over boiled alive. milked up like uh like a boiled egg mm -hmm. or a microwaved egg um that's going to happen to you whether or not you're using a 5g phone i guess because that's true because the radio waves are just blasted everywhere technically by having a transmitter next to you you're potentially increasing one part of the equation but you're still getting blasted by those towers everywhere you go yeah I, no I believe it. the reason why they can do it is that they can they've shown that like the human skin itself is just like blocks most of it if not all of it so it's usually never a issue really um but i do wonder as far as i remember reading things where it's like blasting that kind of radiation constantly at your uh your future generations can uh nullify you ahead of time but you have to have the phone in that area 24 7 for weeks or something like something re that would never actually happen in uh day-to-day -day use well if it's in your pocket it's doing that well like on in contact with said area yeah, not the closer, just your pants the closer you are there's definitely a amplification of 
your exposure to any particular emanations. Yeah. Uh, You could put enough uh, power through a ham radio, you could get RF burn. (laughs) So in theory, you know, your phone shouldn't be that much different. It's all waves. Uh, Let's see. Let's close out with, uh, so this weekend's Halloween. Happy Halloween to everybody. What is your costume going to be this this time around? Oh, it's a secret. For COVID. I can't tell you. It's a secret. You're going to yeah. tell me next week? Well, you'll have to see it with your eyes. S- Ooh, we'll, we'll be wearing it in the next podcast, right? Is so that can see it? Is that next? It's this weekend. It's Halloween, so it'll be next Thursday. It'll be already over. This Saturday. Oh, yeah, perfect. I'm surprised Saturday. Oh, God. Okay. I think you already know. Well, I'm going to reuse a costume from last year. I'm going to be Bowser. I'm, I'm going to tell hat. everyone you're reusing. Yes. Well, they all know. <laughs> there's, there's too many photos to not say it, but I've got my custom made-at-home shell with spikes. And, oh, God, did it come with a yellow suit? No, did, I don't have the yellow suit. I, I, don't, I think that was where I drew the line. It was a little bit too ridiculous, but I've got the headpiece. <laughs> That like it's basically just Bowser's head like shoved on top of your head, um, but it's good enough. I'm happy with it. Maybe I'll even stream with it on. Who knows? I know we're gonna do a couple of. Uh, we've been doing Halloween themed streams this week. It's like I think after this, I'm doing a Luigi's Mansion stream again. Friday will be Left for Dead 2. I think uh, you're joining that if you're available. And then Saturday mm-hmm. is gonna be Animal Crossing. Everybody's gonna show off their uh, spooky costumes on Animal Crossing. All right. Well, until next week, bringyourwallet.com slash contact for feedback and suggestions and bringyourwallet.com slash donate to support the show and share the show. See you next week. See you next week.